Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Good to see each of you here this morning. We're glad that you have decided to join with us in worship. We want to let our children be dismissed for Children's Church. And as they're headed out, uh, it's great to see each of you this October 13th. Let me um, apologize. I didn't realize that it was that chilly in here. And so if so, I would have turned the boilers on uh, for you. And uh, that way you would have been a little bit warmer. But if it's too warm, then you know what happens, right? Let me tell you what happens. From my point of view, when I'm up here, if it's too warm, this is what happens. All right, so there's no nodding off today because you're so chilly. So uh, it's great to have you. As we start this Sunday, we start uh, three weeks where we will be focused on missions. And out in the foyer on one of the tables is a missions-focused booklet. We'd like for each family, if you would grab one of those and take those with you. Um, For us and our family, um, we have made it a habit of trying to Uh, read through those and as we sit at the dinner table each night we pick a missionary and we pray for them that night and then the next night we pray for the next one it allows us as our children and as our family just to try to be familiar with our missionaries and the missions organizations that we support here Um, i am a firm believer that missions is not something that we just send money to but our missionaries are an extension of the ministry here at west hill and as they further Uh, the kingdom and getting the word um, to those who need to hear it it's our privilege today to to uh, for me to introduce to you Jim Wilcox Jim Wilcox is the CEO of the way out prison ministry and uh, Jim um, has uh, a special day today today's his birthday too he would come on his birthday that's very special he's uh, a few years older than me uh, but I won't say how many just like maybe two and uh the Way Out Prison Ministry is a neat ministry that you're going to hear from Jim. He's going to share about that. Uh, we've had the privilege of supporting the Way Out Prison Ministry from uh, since September of 1989. It's a ministry that's been dear to the ministry here at West Hill. And it's neat to think that we've continued that support for so many years in, in, in a field where, um, where people need to be reached. Let me be real here. For us, um, I just finished Jonah a few weeks ago, and when we talked about the Ninevites, and as Jonah was called to go to the Ninevites, those were the enemies, those were the outcasts, those were the people that didn't deserve to hear about Jesus. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people who view people, inmates that are in jail, that are in prison, as those type of people. They don't deserve it. And I hope this morning that your heart will be open and receptive to see we're no better than anyone else. You, You are no better than anybody else on the face of this earth. It's by the grace of God that we are who we are. And God calls us to live out our lives and to be able to reach and to minister to every person that is on the face of this earth. So if you would, would you help welcome Mr. Jim Wilcox with me?
Can you hear me now? Excellent. I uh, want to thank Pastor for that mentioning of Jonah. It's a book that's always on my mind regarding prison ministry, and just as Pastor said, um, Jonah didn't think the Ninevites deserved salvation. And um, unfortunately and sadly, there are many people that um, see the audience that uh, we serve as undeserving. But I just need to look at myself, quite frankly, in the mirror and know how undeserving I was of the gift of grace and salvation. Can I get an amen to that? It's a privilege to be here this morning at West Hill. I am thankful for the decades of uh, fellowship. Uh, Long before I came on board the way out, um, you were supporting this ministry. I had a very warm welcome here, and I thank you for that. Let's pray. Almighty God and gracious Father, Lord, we thank you for your presence here with us this morning, the opportunity of you given your servant to share the ministry to which you have called him. Lord, we pray that you would be glorified this morning in the work that you have called us to, that you would be exalted. Please bless the time ahead. Help your servant for its sin. Your son's name we pray. Amen. You know, here's an interesting. I always, I go to the book of um, Ruth when I think about prison ministry. I go to the book of Ruth. That might be an odd book to go to. Anybody in here familiar with the book of Ruth? You know, a story about Naomi and Ruth. They return uh, to, uh, to the nation after uh, the famine is passed. And Naomi says to Ruth, find a field and go and glean from it, for it was harvest time. And the Levitical law said clearly, when you harvest the field, do not harvest to the end, but leave a remnant behind. Metaphorically speaking, the harvest is going on day by day right now in the community in which you live in the world in which we live. But there is another community, a closed community, a community that is separate from the community in which you live. And that community is the prison and jail community in which God has called myself and hundreds of other individuals to serve. That is our harvest field. That is where we serve. The Way Out is a non-denominational Christian ministry. I was asked this morning, um, what does non-denominational mean? Well, we work with a number of denominations. However, when we come in to a prison or a jail office, we simply ask that you talk about God, that you talk about man, that you talk about sin, and that you talk about a Savior. That those denominational differences that we have, that you set them aside and talk about the main and plain things of Scripture. We currently serve in six counties. Let's see how good I am at this. Is it the up arrow or the down arrow? Down. Down. Thank you, David. It's good to have friends. Oh, and it's over here. 
We, uh, we serve in Summit County. We began in Summit County uh, back in 1980. We're still in Summit County, Summit County Jail, uh, and, and, and a dozen other facilities. Down. Don't point the finger at people. We're in Cuyahoga County. We began there a few years ago. Portage County. We're Portage County Juvenile Detention Center. And uh, we work with uh, teens, 13 to, uh, to 17. Interestingly enough, the other day I was at Lorraine Prison, and there was a man there doing the liturgy. And he did an excellent job, led the service, led the worship team, uh, a wonderful minister of God. And uh, he came up to me afterwards, after I gave the message, and he said this to me. I was at Lorraine Prison, and he said this to me. 30 years ago, I was at Portage Geauga Juvenile Detention Center. I was 16 years old, and I was not ready to receive the gospel. But I remember you all from the way out. I remember you, how much you loved us and cared for us and how you taught us the Bible. I got out of Portage, and I committed a serious crime. He did. It cost him 30 years of his life. A guy got a hold of him. as a CEO for the way out, he was leaving the next week. His 30 years were up. And I was there that week just before he got out to hear and to know that we had sown seeds into that man's life at a very young age and seeds that he had never forgotten. Geauga County. Geauga County is a fun place to work. I call it Mayberry. Anybody ever hear of Mayberry. Mayberry, some of you old enough in here to remember Mayberry, just a few of you? Well, this, this will relate to you because it's kind of like the place where Aunt B can bring in a pie. You know, it's a prison, it's a jail, but there's about 150 uh, plus inmates in there. But it's Christian-based. Let me rephrase that. The sheriff, the sheriff is a Christian. And when you have somebody at the head of administration that's a Christian, it is a blessing to you. It is a blessing to every volunteer that goes in there. And the COs are Christian. And you can tell the ones that aren't. It's an opportunity for us to share the gospel with them, too. Lake County. Lake County is a difficult place to serve in. Uh, again, it's an administrative issue. Uh, you would hope that we all believe in one God, the same God. Uh, however, some denominational differences do separate you there. Lorraine County. We have been in Lorraine County for 20 years. We've served at the prison there for 20 years. Um, when, when, when it was first built, we've served at Grafton Reintegration Center. Now, why do I show you uh, these pictures up here? Because these are the communities in which we serve. They are the communities in which you live. This is your ministry, and we are here for you. These are your friends, your family, your neighbors, and they'll be coming back. I know very few people in the world whose lives have not been touched by crime in some way, shape, or form. I heard it here twice this morning from some of you. The other day at church, uh, I'm an elder at Erie Side Church on the boulevard, but one of the members and his wife came up to me, and they shared a story with me. They had known this man for... 20 plus years. He and his wife and the children played together. They went to dinner together. That man is now going to do probably the rest of his life in a federal penitentiary. And my friend was shook up. 
he said to me this. He says, we trusted him. We thought we knew him. We had no idea what he was doing. His wife did not know what he was doing. I know very few people whose lives have not been touched by crime in some way, shape, or form. The other day, yesterday morning, I was at a function, and one of the speakers, she came up and she said this. I couldn't believe I'd be up here talking about prison ministry. Prison ministry would be the last thing I want to talk about on my mind. It's always nice to talk about helping, you know, newborn babies. It's always nice to talk about, you know, helping uh, pregnant women. It's, It's always nice to talk about these things. But she said, I never thought I'd be up here talking about prison ministry. And she said this. She said, I have a family member who was incarcerated a year ago. And she said, she never knew how hard it was and how difficult it was to even get in to see them. She says, they tell you you get 45 minutes to talk to them. In reality, it's only a half an hour. You can't, you can't give them anything. You can't bring in your phone. You can't do this. You've got to wear this. You've got to do that. And, and there were several of us involved in, in, in the prison ministry there, and we're all looking at each other, nodding. Yep. And she said this. She goes, I don't know how you all do it. That's no, because we're called to do it. And it's a challenging environment to work in. It's not only challenging to work with the inmates, it's also challenging to be in that environment. My niece called me the other day. She goes to Kent State. One of her classmates uh, put three bullets in his father. She knows this guy. And she called me up crying on the phone, so torn up. We do all this in partnership with the local church. The local church is foundational to our ministry. I just want three things I'd like to, I'd like to share with you this morning, very quickly. First of all, we provide a way for you to reach someone you know that's incarcerated with the gospel. I just want to, I want to repeat that. We provide a way for you to reach someone in jail or prison with the gospel. We have 150 trained volunteers. We have 150 evangelists that have one thing on their mind and one thing only. And that is to offer these people the hope that they need. The only hope that will change them. The only hope that will transform them. And that hope is Jesus Christ. That's their raison d'etre. That's their reason for being. I had a call um, this past week. Her husband is in Lake Erie Correctional. And she says, do you go into Lake Erie Correctional? Yes. My husband is in there for meth. He's got 18 months. Meth is a methamphetamine, an addictive drug, a highly addictive drug. It has, he destroyed his family. He destroyed his relationship with the three boys, alienated himself from everybody. And his wife is calling me. He's been there for 11 months. Or, um, he's been in there close to a year, I guess. She notices no change in him whatsoever. So, just so happens, Monday morning, I have a chaplain in there, Chaplain Tim, Tim Rothrock. 
who certainly would be God's appointed servant to talk to this guy. The class is on character development. Character development. So I told the woman I'm speaking with, call him this week. Here's where the class is located in the prison. Here's the time. And I called my chaplain. And I gave him the inmate's number. And he says, well, if he doesn't show up, I'll go find him and talk to him. We reach people inside the bars with the gospel. Secondly, we provide a platform. A platform for those called by God to minister to inmates. Our name is recognized as one of integrity. When I call a chaplain or an administrator that works in a facility... They have no worries, no concerns, no issues about the volunteer, volunteers that we will be bringing in. We provide a platform for ministries. We recognize that we are guests. We are guests in their house. They do not have to let us in there. There are many jails that do not want chaplains in there. There are many jails that don't want to do Bible studies. One, it costs money. It costs money to have a CO, a move men and transport and change things and do things within a facility. We provide a platform. We do a lot of work with Oriana House and um, Mike Randall, one of the vice presidents, was our speaker uh, earlier this year at a fundraiser. They think a lot of us and we're very happy to be in their house serving the Lord. Third, we provide a connection, a connection to the local church. And all of our volunteers are members of the local church. We desire that relationships be established between the inmate and the volunteer. And we like to think of those as redemptive relationships. And that when the inmate finishes their sentence, has done their time, paid their debt, and they are a returning citizen, that they might attend the local church. And our volunteers are that connection. You all are that connection. I had a, I had a phone call the other day from Pastor Vince at um, Grace Church in Middleburg Heights. He was all excited. And he says this to me. He goes, Jim, do you remember Vince? Yes, I remember Vince. How can I prevent Vince? Because guess what? <laughs> Vince is at our Wednesday night Bible study. Praise the Lord. Guess what else? What else? He's singing in the choir. Hallelujah. I mean, this is, a, this is, this is what it's all about. Because you see, it's only in the local church where they're going to grow to maturity. We're going to rub elbows with fellow sinners. Amen? Practice a little mercy in the church. Show a little forgiveness in the church. Huh? Be a little giving and rubbing elbows with other redeemed sinners. This is where it happens. This is where the rubber meets the road. Okay. So three things. We provide a uh, a pla- we, we, we provide a way for you to reach inmates in jail. We provide a platform, and we provide a connection to the church. We
We live in a broken world. Romans 18 through 28, I will read it. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Everything in this world rots, rusts, decays, nothing lasts. Car needs repaired, clothes wear out, stove needs replaced, people don't show up for appointments. You put your last English muffin in the toaster and it burns. The weeds are always growing and the list can go on and on. We are a broken people. Brokenness is all around us. We're clay pots. We're cisterns that don't hold water. And we see brokenness every day in the detention centers. All you need to go in is a giant eagle and see brokenness. The Bible's full of stories of broken people. Adam and Eve, Noah, Joseph, Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, Peter. But God is in the business of healing broken people. He is the physician. And he heals. He restores. People we work with have no foundation. Their foundation is built on sand. They don't know the Lord. The whole issue is that they're separated from God. This is the diagram that saved me, by the way, as an unchurched, unbiblically read uh, pagan who could care less about God. Who'd never opened a Bible, was not a church attender. That's me. You understand? Someone showed me that diagram one day. But the diagram I saw had a cross in the middle of it. <clears throat> How much time do I have up here? Another 10 minutes? Wonderful. <laughs> That's good for you all. Here, let's take a quick journey. Because of our sin, we're full of pride, selfish, anger, rebellion, stress. I love that picture. Fear, rejection, desperate, outcasts, alone, hopeless, we don't have a foundation, so we, we follow all these false promises, promises that we think are going to hold out a blessing to us. They do, but they're only temporary. They're lies. The wages of sin is death. Many of the actions that these people take will lead to crime. What the world calls crime, the Bible calls, thank you so much, the Bible calls sin. These probably look familiar. You can see them any day on the paper. He looks really interested. Sin is no respecter of age. Tried by a jury. This is where we end up working with him. It is a community. It's a community of authority. Looks pretty cold, doesn't it? No carpeting. Lots of locked doors. There's an oasis, though. There is an oasis. That's a little different, isn't it? 
A lot of problem our audience has is lack of community. They're oblivious to it. That's our uh, fearless founder there, Esley Patch, 1980. One of our current teachers. Every time we meet with, a, with an inmate, they're biblically illiterate, number one. They need to, they need to have the, op- the Bible open. But we understand something. That every time we do this, that God has drawn them to the room. They don't come of their own accord. They come by the power of the Spirit because God wants to open their ears. There, there are divine appointments that are occurring in our chapel services. And divine appointments are appointments that God does not miss. When he, when he saves people by his grace through faith. And we teach the Bible. That's what we do. Many of them are just don't have any idea about the Word of God. I want to guess we bring in a praise band. That's a picture of Tim right there. And Will. I want, I want to take the time to get to these interviews. I want, to, I want you to see the results of what we're doing. I am way too long-winded. But here, if I hit this, it should work. Basically, um, I was doing a life sentence in an installment plan. I started using drugs and alcohol um, as, a, as a young teenager. And, you know, I had never really, uh, I wasn't brought up with God. I wasn't, you know, there was no Bible, there was no church. So, you know, I started, you know, at the age of 18 getting in trouble and, and you know, CBCF, Summit County Jail, um, Marysville, you know, and, and it's always drugs and alcohol related, always. The circumstances was I, you know, was into drugs and alcohol for most of my life, and uh, you know, stayed sober in Akron here for about eight to nine years. Stayed, been clean off or sober from the alcohol for around 16, and then uh, you know, I came to Akron here, and then I got back into the drugs, and then eventually it led to me getting in trouble, getting caught with drugs, and then ended up being back. You know, breaking probation and going to the institution. I served a five-year sentence, but uh, my sentence that I served for was because of a gambling issue that I had. I was a bank manager, um, and because of a bank manager, I started to use the bank's funds for my addiction and ran into numerous issues um, because of that. And uh, I. I ran into a, one specific issue that just encapsulated uh, my life and just threw it to shambles. And uh, that's when I committed my crimes that sent me to prison. My plan was just to do what I always did and sleep through most of it as much as possible. And um, somebody had said, hey, well, you know, pass the time a little bit. Come on down to the church service. And I'm like, oh, come on. Um, and eventually, you know, out of pure boredom, I went, and Miss um, Carol was there, and she's just this tiny, tiny little thing, and, and that was my first experience, was sitting through the church service, because I didn't want to go. It was the last thing I wanted to do. So, you know, I went to that first service, and, and I remember it, you know, like it was yesterday, and, and I, I wouldn't have admitted it at the time, but I had, the, for the first time in my life, a small little glimmer of hope. 
I didn't know there was salvation. I didn't know that that was even an option. I had no idea. And, and, and you know, for the first time, I was kind of, I actually kind of interacted. And, you know, she had us singing and, you know, and, and getting into the, the scriptures. And, you know, I just remember tears just pouring down my face. And, and I, I couldn't explain what it was. I mean, still to this day, I can't go to church without shedding a tear. But I know what that is. I just knew that it was a different feeling, a different emotion, and, and I'd never had any kind of hope before that. The first time I met someone from the Way Out Ministry was, I believe, Jim Wilcox and uh, Doug Botch, and uh, it was great. You know, they were friendly and happy people, and they came to share the, the word of the Lord with us. And the moment I decided to follow Christ was uh, when uh, they violated me for probation, you know, and I, I think. Maybe that's why I did it, sort of to, didn't know how to get the help. So, And uh, I knew it was over with, you know, something that God told me it's done, you know. I was at Summit County Jail is uh, where uh, Chaplain Harry Watson and the Way Out Prison Ministry uh, actually met me the first time. Um, I had gotten in trouble for something that I did not do, and I thought it was very awkward that I was placed in solitary confinement. Uh, and I was there for three days by myself, uh, literally bread water and 8 by 12 cell, and God just took my heart and uh, ripped it apart. Uh, he flipped me upside down and, and showed me just a bunch of uh, different things about my life, about who he was. And uh, I, sent a, I sent a little kite, which is like a little letter, to the chaplain and asked to see one of them. And Chaplain Harry came. And I said, you know, Chaplain Harry, I'm having these issues. I'm having these problems. Uh, I'm dealing with uh, a lot of issues of, of lying. And, uh, and Chaplain Harry said, well, you know what, Ben? You need to raise the bar in your life. You need to come to a point in your life where you have to quit running and you have to start telling the truth. And when he told me those words of, of quit running, it, it just struck me so awkward because the night before, as I was praying and asking God, what do I need to do? God revealed to me that I needed to quit running as well. I have a personal relationship today. I have a personal relationship. I have prayer time, you know, with, with me and God. And, and, and that blows my mind. I wouldn't trade my worst day today for my best day back then. I wasn't sure where I was going when I got out. And uh, it's funny because it showed, it showed me how God was working in my life that, uh, you know, a week before I got out, everybody there was asking and worried about where I was going. And then um, and the same night that happened, my sister had wrote me a little net letter and said, you can come and stay with me. You know, now that I'm out, um, it was a struggle at first, you know, because like I said, um, used to walking with the Christian brothers and having access to it daily, you know, while you're locked up. And uh, um, with Jim Wilcox, I've been able to hook up with him and go to his church and I'm in a nice community-based Christian church and I'm meeting a lot of people. And Well, the toughest one is just um, trying to fit in or, you know, be back in the world and realizing that, uh, you know, the way of sinning and carrying on uh, just wasn't right. and, and uh, to trust the Lord to, to direct you and uh, keep you on the straight and narrow. You know? uh, well, right now, um, I am working at First Friends Church in Canton, Ohio. I am the pastoral intern there, um, which basically means I have two bosses in about nine different departments. Um, 
I preach when they ask me to preach. I speak at special occasions when they ask me to speak there. Uh, I do a lot of Bible study teachings on Wednesdays and Sundays, a lot of counseling, a lot of discipleship, um, help head the prison ministry that we have there as well, and, um, and I'm involved highly in the sports programs. My plan is I would like to get my degree in social work and help those people who help, who are like the people who helped me. You know, people who didn't give, give up on me and who believed in me. I want to do something like that. Now, God may have a completely, totally different plan for me, but I know that his plan is perfect. And, and mine is full of faults and errors and selfishness and, you know, all the above. Everything good in my life today, which is quite a bit, has come, is all God. It's all God. Everything good in my life. You know, I'm not sure, you know, I, um, I'd like to get into some kind of missionary work or, you know, uh, maybe even into the ministries with Jim, you know, I mean, uh, he's run that by me a few times and, uh, you know, I just got to take it one time at a time or one day at a time and get uh, study and make sure I know <clears throat> the scripture well enough to, before I can teach others. Ministry is, uh, is about people, banking is about paperwork. And ministry is about taking time out of your day, of your life, of showing people who Christ is, not necessarily telling them about Him. It's about uh, reconnecting with individuals that uh, truly have heartache and break and sorrow in their lives. Uh, it's not about signing a check or, or moving a piece of paper through. Uh, ministry truly, to me, uh, is a lifelong calling that there's no way uh, around it, there's no way through it. it. It has to be happening in my life. Uh, banking was a career option, ministry. Is, is a choice that God gave to me that I will take as a lifetime. That's the result of our ministry. That's the result of uh, your partnership with us. And to God be the glory, amen. Every year, we have a Christmas outreach into the facilities in which we serve. And every year we will reach approximately 2,000 men, women, and youth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We bring in a uh, praise band, a local minister. We conduct a Christmas service inside the jails and prisons. In one week's time, we will conduct over 36 chapel services and we are gearing up for Christmas actually we are in full swing for Christmas right now in the past we've asked people to collect items we give a bag out a simple brown bag um, decorated by the youth at various churches as a matter of fact David's team is here decorating a couple hundred bags for us, and we're very grateful. The outside of the bag is decorated with the message of the gospel, and children can say amazing things. Those the outsides of those bags, I could tell you about for a long time, they are critical to the ministry. The inmates hang them up after the holidays on their walls and on their lockers. They have a staying power after the contents of the bag have disappeared. But this bag contains the gospel four times, 
four times. And last year, through this outreach, we had over 200 commitments to Jesus Christ and countless reprofessions of faith. That's a pretty good hit ratio. And we follow up everyone that has committed to Christ. And we give them literature and we guide them. We want them to make, we want to make sure they know what they've done. We want to make sure they have an understanding of the profession of faith. We want, to, we want, to, we, we, we want as best as possible to recognize that they've been saved by grace through faith. In the past, we've collected items. This year, we've taken a new approach. To fill those items in a, individually in a bag is about $25. We can buy all the contents for the bags and fill a bag with the bag for six bucks. Six dollars. We can give an individual the message of the gospel. For $6, you can make an eternal difference into an individual's life. In your bulletins, you're going to find a little envelope. A little envelope. And if you might be so gracious as or so kind as to put a little something in there, it would be very helpful. You know, two bags is $12. We have a goal this year of about 2000 So it's your, it's your opportunity to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I, uh, I want to thank you for your partnership, and I just pray that I, I said something up here of value uh, to you all. I love this work. It is demanding and it is draining. It is difficult. It is challenging. But I couldn't do it if God wasn't empowering me to do it day by day. So for that, I'm eternally grateful and I am thankful for all of our partners uh, in this ministry. So... Let me pray. Almighty God and gracious Father, we thank you that you use broken clay pots, that you use us to be light shining in a dark world, to hold out the message of life to those that are looking for hope. It is humbling, Lord. And each one of us has a different missions field. There are no consequential tasks in the kingdom. What we do, we do because we're called to it. What we do in prison ministry, we do because you enable it. I thank you, Father, for all the support and partnership that we get. Without it, frontline warriors can't do the work. They need the support. So in your body, Father, with all the various churches and all the various people, you do provide. And you are faithful. And you teach us to trust in that. So thank you for West Hill. Thank you for the time I've had to share this morning your work. And pray for God's continued blessing upon this church and the ministry that's going on here. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you all.